Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Collinson, worldwide leaders in loyalty creating and orchestrating loyalty initiatives and programs for some of the world's biggest brands in travel, retail and financial services. Doing it globally for over 30 years. Want to know more? Go to collinsongroup.com. Hello and welcome to episode 204 of Let's Talk Loyalty a conversation with one of my favorite people in the world of convenience retail. Derek Gaskins has worked for some extraordinary brands, including Procter & Gamble, Rutters, Giant Eagle, and the National Association of Convenience Stores. Today, Derek is the Chief Marketing Officer of a fast-growing chain of fuel stations and convenience stores called Yesway with over 400 locations from Iowa to Texas. As you'll hear, both the mindset and the mechanics of loyalty are a core part of Yesway's extraordinary growth. Derek's knowledge of loyalty in convenience retail is second to none. So today you'll hear his insights on some of the smartest ideas he has seen and how he leverages loyalty to support Yesway's ambitious future plans. So, first of all, Derek Gaskins, I would love to just welcome you to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you, Paula. Uh, Certainly glad to be here and looking forward to sharing some best practices and insights with you. And I may also learn something from you because you have become an expert with this channel. So thank you for having me today. Delighted to have you, Derek. Tell me, which part of the United States are you in today? Today, I'm actually in Beverly, Massachusetts, so right where our headquarters is and my main office. But that's a great question because I'm always flying around. I'm (laughs) literally getting on a plane end of day and heading down to uh, Fort Worth, Texas. We have one of our newest stores. We're going to have a grand opening celebration, and I'm going down there for that with a big concert and everything that leads in Thursday, Friday, throughout the whole weekend. So wonderful stuff and never a dull moment. For sure. So in a couple of minutes, I'll get you maybe to introduce the Yesway brand, actually, Derek, because I have to confess, living outside of the United States, I wasn't familiar with it before you joined. But before we get into all of your current role, as you know, we always start this show talking about our favorite loyalty programs. So what do you want to share with our listeners? Ah, I don't want to be boring, but I think my favorite one in in all candor would honestly be the one that I've been a member of the longest. And for me, it would be American Express membership rewards and membership has its privileges. Right. Everyone knows that tagline and that uh, very thoughtful brand call to action that they've had for decades now. And then I have been a member and. You know, it's one of those things that you look at the card sometimes and I'm like, wow, I've been a member of this for 21 years now. Wow. And um, I'm, you know, not bragging, but I've racked up enough points that they have real value. And so 
Yeah. The way that I travel, um, you know, they give me benefits that are personal and that are customized to me. Yeah. So, for instance, um, I can get membership into airline lounges and, and clubs. And when I'm on the road as often as I am, that yeah. has tremendous value that I don't have to pay for. And I can use my card and obtain entry into the mm. Centurion Lounge or the Delta Lounge and various yeah. other air, airline clubs. Yeah. And secondly, I'm also able to then use it for things like Wi-Fi with their uh, GoGo network. So when I'm traveling on the plane, mm. because I have a platinum card, those things are part of their rewards scheme. Loyalty wise, I can use points for payments. I can use points to offset certain things. Mm. So total flexibility. Mm. And then there's the surprise and delight aspect of it, of around holidays or maybe my birthday, for instance, they may say, um, you know, use half as many points to get gift cards and Mm. I can then choose and You know, oftentimes I'm using those around the holidays for family gifts. And it's so funny because even my kids know it now. So they almost expect to get a Target (laughs) gift card or a Nike gift card or a Ruth Chris Steakhouse gift card that I use my Amex points to trade in for to get discounted gift cards. And back in the day, they would mail a physical card. Yeah. And, you know, much like the modern times are now and everything is mobile. And so they're able to send a mobile gift card in real time that can be used. And, you know, for those reasons, I I would put them up as, as my favorite. It's not quite in the convenience channel, but -hmm. I think that there are aspects of it that I've always looked at as a marketer to say, as I'm building out my loyalty program, I want to make sure that I'm able to segment my customers, understand what they buy, who they are, where they shop, when they shop, and then use the points in a relevant manner to get more business from them. Wonderful. And I actually always think, Derek, that the personal experience and the personal examples are the best because I think we can then speak from the perspective of the value proposition, because I don't know about your experience. I know you have an incredible career that we'll talk about, but, you know, sometimes I think what happens is, you know, the marketing team come up with these very valuable propositions, but they don't always make it to market in the way that they're originally conceived. But certainly American Express is a brand that does exactly that. Yes, they do. And I mean, that that is a great encapsulation of some of the challenges. It's, you know, you can think around the vision of what the consumer wants. Yeah. I always feel that we have to be stewards and guardians as marketers to give them precisely that. Exactly, exactly. And I also um, think it, it, it reminds me of the article that we did together, actually, back in 2018, Derek. And I remember asking you, you know, this whole idea of what do you know for sure about loyalty? And what you said to me at the time was, you really need to know who your best customers are. So I think that's exactly encapsulated in your experience with American Express, 21 years, you know, benefits that you can articulate, because again, I think that's a challenge (laughs) for for many, for many, and I'm sure inconvenience actually even more so. We'll get into the specific industry challenges in a minute, but um, I also like what you mentioned there about the intergenerational piece. So, you know, now your family know the value of having an American Express card. Exactly. And I mean, for them, it was their first car. And so you you start to think about the power of that. And, you know, I've I've always looked at us as convenience retailers skew. You know, there's the blue collar skew. There's the younger generational skew. And, you know, my first 
exposure to what I would call world-class C-store retailers was actually when I went off to college because being a city guy, Mm. a lot of our convenience stores back then were not as curated as today's stores are, meaning the food service programs were nowhere near what they are now. Sure. But on the college campuses, they were. So when I look back you wow. know, 30 years ago, yeah. I went to U- University of Iowa and in Northwestern. I mean, there were world class convenience brands that were pretty mind blowing. I mean, for a young guy to see and say, wow, I can get sandwiches and, you know, pizza and all kinds of things 24 yeah. seven. How great is this? And it, <laughs> it was a great value. But that becomes the gateway, because yeah. then as I advance through my career and, you know, started out not even thinking about the channel, my experiences as a consumer shaped it. And I think now it's the same thing, you know, with our loyalty program, part of it is to make sure not only do we cater and understand our best customers and then segment and try to trade people up, but you want to also capture the youth because they are the shoppers of not only today, but tomorrow. And then as they migrate through life and become parents, they bring their kids along with them Mm. and you create a very virtuous cycle. Love it. Love it. So it's probably the right time, Derek, to ask you exactly about YesWay. Because as I said, for those of us outside the US, we're probably not familiar with the brand or YesWay Rewards, which is, of course, what we're here to talk about today. So would you mind just giving us an overview of the business? Certainly, certainly. Um, YesWay is a private equity backed group that conscientiously chose this business. So our CEO, Tom Turkler, is a visionary. And he literally, after the recession in 07 and 08, Mm. two things stood out. One, his instinct told him because it's primarily real estate. And so in 07 and 08, Mm. which looking back on it now, it's pretty obvious. It was the height of the market. Yeah. He, He cashed out and his investors were, some of them were telling him he's foolish. Don't do this. You know, the market is still raging and roaring and his instinct and knowing Mm -hmm. the fundamentals, he felt it was time. Wow. And so that's when he got out. And some of our origin stories go all the way back then, because I think then as the market cratered, he was able to come back, buy things, pennies on the dollar and advance Brookwood very rapidly. Mm. Fast forward to about 2015, 16, his vision was to diversify. And I Mm -hmm. think like many of us who know this industry very well, one thing I've spent a great deal of time trying to explain to others is that we are recession resilient, if not proof. Wow. Good times or bad times. Yeah. We are an essential retail place and consumers come to us and in their times of need, if it's a natural disaster to, I mean, I can go back to 9-11, to recessionary periods, to hurricanes, tornadoes, you know, we fuel the nations and whether it's the police, fire, EMS, or what have you, mm-hmm. we are that place, that that sanctity. And I think COVID just proved that out too, because as an industry, yeah. Yeah. we had some of the best years in our entire history when yeah. other retail struggled. Yeah. So in terms of yes way, that was the vision. It was a white paper concept in many ways. And it mm-hmm. was a Let's raise money. Let's grow by acquisition. Mm-hmm. Very smart group on the Brookwood side of uh, private equity, real mm-hmm. estate investors that understood the underlying value of the real estate. Mm-hmm. Also understood 
that this channel was highly fragmented and with capital, you could go in and roll it up relatively quickly. Sure. So much like you, when I first got the call about the opportunity, I had never heard of it. Right. <laughs> and you know, me wow. being the next guy that's literally traveled the world to research yeah. and study global convenience retailers. I was like, what's yes way. I don't even know this brand. This is insane to me. Wow. And, you know, as I started talking with the team, I realized that, um, they were talking about what they would be versus what they were. And I bought into what could yeah. be and what they would be and wanted to play a, a, a role in making that happen. Wow. So when I joined in 2018, you know, we had dozens of stores and a CEO with a relentless drive and a vision and backing up the team to make it happen. And so now, as you fast forward, mm. we were 2021's chain of the year. Okay. So that's the most prestigious convenience award in all of retailing. And wow. I was very proud of the whole team to land that hardware. And we celebrated yeah. this past fall at the next show. Wow. And we have over 400 stores now. Mm-hmm. We are in a nine state region throughout the U.S. Mm-hmm. from the Dakotas and Iowa. Yeah. You know, going back to where I went to school again, spanning <laughs> down to Kansas, Missouri, with a huge concentration in New Mexico and West Texas. Okay. Um, The thing that really catapulted us is we bought a beloved brand called Allsup's, A-L-L-S-U-P. Okay. Okay. Apostrophe S. Mm. Allsup's was a 60-year-old brand that Lonnie Allsup, or people still call him today, Mr. Allsup, started and grew rapidly. And yeah. like many other of the U.S.-based convenience businesses that started out as family-owned and operated, mm. he dominated his region. And his region was primarily eastern New Mexico and west Texas. Mm-hmm. And in almost all those little small rural towns and mm. in the oil fields and the mm. Permian Basin and near military bases and small college towns and near high schools, Mm-hmm. He established corners and he purchased the corners and built awesome stores mm-hmm. and had a legendary food service program grounded on in true uh, West Texas style, deep fried burritos and chimichangas. <laughs> and, <laughs> and to this day, that's one of the signature things that yes way through the acquisition of Allsup's yeah. accelerated our growth because now we had a viable food service offering. And, Mm. you know, when you look at the convenience store landscape, you know, you have companies like Wawa or Rudders or Sheets that started out as dairies and then had sandwich businesses or hoagie businesses. Mm. There were fresh subs that were customized, made to order Mm. and their menus grew from that. Mm. You have Casey's, uh, which is an Iowa based company Mm -hmm. that I think is top three or top four for pizza. Uh-huh. So they're running with the Pizza Huts and Domino's, but in the convenience stores. And, you know, going back to when I went to Iowa, I saw Casey's and Quick Trip and Come and Go and some of these places for the first time they were in Iowa. Mm. And then I would actually say you have Allsup's that mm. even when I was at Max, Hank and I would talk about Allsup's was the only large member or rather not even member, the only large retailer that was not a member that Mr. Allsup took pride in being independent and being a cowboy and living his life. And so in New Mexico, he dominated and had this signature food offering. And you mentioned all sorts of people, their eyes light up. And to this day, I get soldiers that may be stationed in Germany or Japan or somewhere literally saying, can you ship me the burritos (laughs) overseas? (laughs) Because I missed it. 
Well, there's there's guys that have been drafted in the NFL that have done photo ops in front of our stores. There have been couples that on the way to their wedding ceremony, the whole (laughs) wedding party would stop and get a burrito and take a picture right out front of awesome. So when you have a brand that is that curated and developed, it takes 50 plus years to build that. And so part of it is how do I preserve, protect evolve Mm. and advance that. And that's precisely what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I can hear the pride coming through, Derek. Um, It's an extraordinary story. So thank you for sharing the history and congratulations on that extraordinary award. I had no idea that you guys had come away with that. Thank you so much. Yes. I mean, I'm so proud of the whole team and the work that we've done. Yeah. Yeah. And just for people, again, who might not be familiar, Derek, I will just explain that NACS is the National Association of Convenience Stores. So you used to work there. I certainly did a lot of work there again in my time with Liquid Barcode. So um, extraordinary to have that perspective. And as you said, that visibility into the industry. And certainly, yes, way is obviously, um, you know, forging a path ahead, you know, in terms of just like building your own brand on the back exactly. of those um, incredible Alsop's products. So really yeah, incredible. And, yeah. Yes. And, and, and some of my recent travel, that's the challenge is that we honestly operate both brands. Yeah. So in, in some ways, you know, yes, way being white paper concept had a little more contemporary flair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Meaning we had a loyalty program. We had a mm. private label strategy yeah. almost before we had stores. <laughs> and so part <laughs> wow. of it was That's as amazing. you buy stores, yeah. this is what Yesway will stand for. And uh, we had three pillars. It was yeah. going with the loyalty scheme, yeah. going with own brands and yeah. the Yesway label, yeah. and then going with the food service to unify these disparate assets and establish what Yesway is. Yeah. Also already had the food program. Did not have a loyalty program, had a private label, not as um, immediate consumption focus as Yesways. Most of the Allsup's private label was actually more grocery and fresh and fill in things Mm -hmm. like bread and milk and eggs and having a bakery and those types of products. Yeah. So marrying them up. And now Yesway stores are selling Allsup's product Mm -hmm. and Allsup stores are selling Yesway product. Mm. The Allsup's world famous burrito program is now being introduced. We've already uh, completed about 25 yes ways that have the full Allsup's food program in it. Mm -hmm. And by end of year, the goal is to have them all done. Mm. And the loyalty scheme has been incredible because we have an Allsup's program. This was one of the biggest challenges. It was, do we keep it yes way and operate that as the brand? Or do we allow each brand to live on its own? So I think once we made the decision that we were going to protect and preserve the Allsup's legacy and brand, then it was, okay, well, we'll do an Allsup's branded loyalty program. However, we want to be clear to the consumer. Mm. So maybe have both logos on the card and Mm. on the back of the card. Mm. Allsup's cards work in Yesway. Yesway cards work in Allsup's. Uh, the login screen, the mobile app being very clear so that when there's a store locator tool within our mm, loyalty app, mm. you can see a Yesway logo that indicates Yesway branded stores. You see Allsup's logos that indicate those branded stores. Mm. And while it's it's a little more challenging, I think what I was surprised by is that the consumers got it. Because mm. when the headline was Yesway acquires Allsup's, yeah. you know, every consumer's first fear was, 
oh, I hope they don't take away the burrito, right? I hope they don't <laughs> rebrand these stores. Wow. Don't yeah. ruin the bread. Don't. I mean, I got so much mail wow. that, you know, I was saying not only will we not do that, we're going to build upon all of those things. And I think now yeah. with the loyalty program, that's a tangible first step that they're seeing that yeah. things are going to get better. Great, great. But what I also love, actually, Derek, what you said there was that as a white paper concept, that loyalty and a structured rewards program was part of the proposition from the very beginning. Like I've mentioned a few times, you know, just maybe talking to people, you know, at the maybe startup stage, let's say of a new store. And they have all of their business plans written with their acquisition strategy, but very rarely do they start with their retention strategy in mind. So that frustrates me, you know, because it's yeah. very hard to fix further down the track. So wonderful really to hear is. that. Yeah. Yes, we've had it from the very beginning. Really is. And and you are absolutely right. That is the biggest challenge is yeah. the retention strategy. So, so often it's an afterthought and it, yeah. it should yeah. be a primary thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly the words. It is an afterthought. So so how is it performing given all of the change? Um, again, I want to acknowledge what, you know, the whole industry has done through COVID. For me, I hadn't realized that the legal positioning would be so powerful in your favor to yes. remain open, to remain trading, to be valued as an important part of the community when it seemed like the world was falling apart around us, if I'm honest. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, when I think back two years ago to this same time, yeah, that's when the world of officially started shutting down. Yeah, um, I I remember I was at an industry e- e- event, which I'm going to do later on, but it was uh, next day on the Hill. We yeah. were in Washington. We were in the halls of Congress and the Senate building meeting with legislators talking about industry initiatives. And COVID was still relatively new. Yeah, we didn't know how dire things could be. If you would have told me at that time that you're going to shut down your office for six months or a year or even one month, yeah. I would have said, you're out of your mind. No way. Yeah. And within those uh, four day period, we went from shaking hands, talking to senators, having meetings to by day four, it was yeah. literally the offices are closed. Yeah. Get back to your respective homes and your districts yeah. and best yeah. of luck to you. Yeah. And to your point, I think managing change Mm. This industry has been absolutely remarkable. Yeah. And the the agility that we've shown collectively to yeah. demonstrate that, hey, we are essential retail. Mm. Then I think the second piece of that is and we're going to take care of our people. Mm. Um, we didn't wait to see what the government was going to do. I remember in the early days, our CEO going back to Tom Turkle, his number one question was, what should I be doing for the team members in the stores that I'm yeah. not doing? Wow. And we did things such as giving them credit um, using our loyalty program. We we're able to identify team members and we loaded hundreds of dollars on each of their cards that they could use in our stores. So wow. they needed fuel, they needed yeah. food and groceries, any food service. They were able to buy that for themselves and their family. Wow. Um, we did two weeks paid time off. No questions asked. That way, if you were worried about being sick or you had any symptoms, you didn't have the pressure of having yeah. to come into work. These things now sound routine. Yeah. But two years ago, a retail worker was not getting two weeks paid time off, not yeah. unless they had been there for 10 years or were a manager. We yeah. did that for everyone, frontline wow. on up. And 
giving PPE and making mm-hmm. sure that our folks were protected. My marketing team getting signage, the operations group being in the stores. I mean, I actually took it as a as a duty that I couldn't just sit at home and Zoom or not go into, you know, the office is closed, but the stores weren't. So if the stores are open, we need to be out there leading from the front, letting Mm -hmm. them know we're truly in this together. And so those were things that when I look back on, I'm very proud of. Mm -hmm. And the industry, you know, stood tall. Mm -hmm. And I think the reward for some of that was we performed that civic duty we often do in times of crisis. Like I said, when it's a tornado or a hurricane or a natural disaster, yeah. oftentimes the convenience store is the only place you can go to get fresh water or mm. get food or fuel for your yeah. vehicles or for your generators. Yeah. And COVID was no different. And mm. I, I think for those retailers, and uh, we were very fortunate that our strategy was more rural focused. So we focused on small rural and suburban towns Mm. more than urban markets, Mm. which meant that we were the grocery store. We were the convenience store Mm -hmm. as well as the restaurant in many of these towns. And so when people needed something hot and fresh to eat and they were sick of cooking at home, they would come to our stores and buy the burritos and buy the chimichangas when they needed milk, when they needed eggs, when they wanted to buy, you know, true groceries, we were 24 seven. Yeah. And because we had this program called hospitality heroes, where mm. that's what we called our team members. We called them hospitality heroes. Wow. So that they knew they were heroes. We recognized them as such. And the word hospitality was because they were creating a service oriented place and a safe place yeah. for customers to come and shop. Yeah. And a lot of customers were say. I felt threatened going into a large supermarket or mass merchandise yeah. Yeah. that thousands of people could be in versus I come in your stores and the hospitality heroes, they were doing visual things, wearing masks and gloves, cleaning, commonly mm. touched surfaces, wiping down the coffee bar, yeah. holding the doors open so customers didn't have to touch them. And a person felt I can get in and out quickly, yeah. get the few items that I need and be on my way. Mm. It may be some psychology there that's misplaced, but I know I certainly felt safer in smaller shopping local places, right? In my community versus traveling 20, 30 miles away where thousands of people who I don't know could be there. And I think that the convenience retail in total benefited from that, but it wasn't a lazy benefit. You had to be agile because in the early Mm. days, Mm. it was all about pantry loading and stocking up. Yeah. Then as that summer came around, people started to move around a bit. And then it was about immediate consumption and on the go and food service again. Yeah. In the fall, things shut back down again. And so it went <laughs> back to yeah. a lot of more packaged beverages and, you know, things like beer. I never thought my stores would sell the volume of beer yeah. or wine that mm-hmm. some of them did. But, yeah. you know, when every bar, sports venue, restaurant is closed and people yeah. have nowhere else to go, they're coming to us for those things. And mm-hmm. then you had the supply chain. Mm-hmm. So some things we had to be more flexible than ever. And I mm-hmm. would talk to my merchandising group and my price book team mm-hmm. and say, we need to be prepared to substitute products as quickly as we can. Yeah. And yes, brands absolutely matter. Mm-hmm. And our private label and our own brands, I want them to always have a shelf presence. But if you can't get certain things, you need to be agile 
and authorize another product, whether it's a co, you know, something from the co-op yeah. or a regional brand or a niche brand. So mm-hmm. that if someone's looking for a can of soup and mm-hmm. I can't get Campbell's, then I better have the next best thing so yeah. that they can at least get something. Totally. And so that was probably about a year and a half. And even still, mm. there are supply chain implications on certain categories mm. and it's mercurial. It's, it is not, oh, it's Pepsi or it's Coke or it's, you know, mm. Miller Coors or it's Anheuser or it's any brand. It can be your wholesaler. It can mm. be, you know, something that you've had no problem getting, or it can be a commodity product, something like, you know, getting yeah. chicken or getting butter that, you know, used to be something you took for granted. And I had dozens of sources. Now it's two. Mm. What I what really is coming to mind for me, Derek, as well as the extraordinary operational challenges, the um, integrity around how you took care of those people, um, uh, you know, as you said, way even before I think anybody else. What also I'm hearing coming through is that um, that place to go for people who are trapped at home or were trapped at home. Like I remember myself, you know, my lowest point perhaps professionally was, you know, losing my job one time back at the recession you referred to. And what I used to need was a little bit of human contact every day, you know, going out to the convenience store, picking up whatever I needed, having a little bit of chit chat and the psychological support of knowing there was people around the corner was actually also incredible. So I definitely think you guys did that as well. No, and you're right. I think that psychological, that human aspect of yeah. loyalty yeah. is not to be taken lightly. And totally. you know, many people, yeah, it, it was overwhelming how consumers were thanking us with sincere gratitude. Yeah. And, and to your point, it might've been as simple as I was able to get a cup of coffee. Totally. And you don't understand yeah. how big of a deal that was to be able to leave my home, totally. get fresh coffee yeah. and feel I was in a comfortable, safe, clean environment to yeah. do that. It's yeah. a big deal. Totally, totally. And that's where the long-term emotion of loyalty comes through. So so what I wanted to move on to, Derek, was was the whole, I suppose, evolution of the, the role of Yesway Rewards, I suppose, over the last couple of years, you know, from a consumer perspective, what would you say, you know, was the role of the program? And then I guess as we hopefully come out the other side of it, what do you see coming up for Yesway Rewards? Yeah, Um that's that's a great question. So I, I think that from a consumer perspective in the early days, the role of the rewards program was literally to be the Trojan horse for the brand. Mm. And it was to, um, I, I would say, to assuage a lot of fears that people had. Right. Mm. Here's this big, bad company. Yes. Way that I've never heard of that just <laughs> bought my store, my yeah. store. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are they going to do to screw it up? Right. <laughs> and so the rewards We've program seen it done. was, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're not going to screw it up. Let's start okay. with that. We're going to add value and tell the brand story. Yeah. And then to start introducing private label and to have everything that you would think of with every other loyalty program. Buy this, save on that. Uh, club programs, buy five of these and the next one's free. Um, you know, a subscription type of scheme, anything that others do. We were even doing cents off, obviously, right? I yeah, mean, we, yeah, yeah. we sell fuel. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, buy, um, you know, Red Bull, buy monster beverages and save, you know, you buy two of those, get 10 cents off per gallon. Yeah. So these were things that, okay, you're delivering value. 
Mm. Uh, you have enhanced where I used to shop and have not diluted it down. You. And yeah. so that was the early challenge. And then I think COVID hit and I had likened that to the acceleration age because then the challenges became greater. Well, yeah. why can't I order? Why can't I pay ahead? Why yeah. can't I have things ready and waiting for me? Mm. So make it even easier for me to shop. Mm. And I think every marketer that had a loyalty program felt tremendous pressure. Yeah. And I used to say things that were on my roadmap that I would say, yeah, that's, you know, maybe I'll do delivery five years from now. Mm. Not really a big deal. <laughs> then it became, how can I do this in five months or five weeks? You know? yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's why I'm saying it was the acceleration age because yeah. these things aren't innovation and newfangled. It was just, it was on my roadmap but I moved it way up in terms of the prioritization and getting it done. Yeah. So we started to add those aspects to it. And mm -hmm. I, I think now it's, you know, I, I don't want to declare victory too soon, but as we are emerging from COVID and things sure. are getting back to moving about, yeah. there are some foundational aspects that are starting to come back mm. where, um, you know, things like stack and save, which is our fuel rewards program, of course, now that in the States, you have many regions where gasoline is not only over $4 a gallon, but it's over $5 a gallon. Yeah. So people are looking for more ways to save. And they're saying, hey, can I get rewards again yeah. that are giving me 20 cents off a gallon or 10 cents off a gallon for the things that I buy? Yeah. So I'm working with our manufacturers to you know, subsidize and make that happen. And it's a win-win because, you know, if I go to a Red Bull or I go to a Monster yeah. or a Pepsi and say, hey, Pepsi, let's work on this together. Mm. It's targeted. And I'm saying I'm not trying to get people to switch from one brand to Pepsi because that's not going to happen sure. necessarily unless I'm yeah. out of coke. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do want to reward Pepsi most valuable consumers. And if your goals are to sell them more stuff, so is mine. Mm. And if you're saying, get them to get that second or get that third yeah. or buy a 12 pack and in, in uh, typical markdowns and promos, it would be things like $2 off or, mm. you know, buy one, get one, right? Mm. Those are high costs to subsidize, especially if you're offering it to everybody. Yeah. Well, now I know who my Pepsi consumers are, or I know who is willing to go into that channel and I can give them something that has a much higher perceived value, yeah. like savings on fuel mm. at an actual lower value. So let's say instead of $2 off yeah. a 12 pack, I can now say 10 cents off per gallon. Mm. The average fill up might only be 12 gallons. Mm. That's a dollar 20 mm. to, you know, 50% of the population instead of $2 offered to 100% of the population. Yeah. So now Pepsi's spending less. I, as the marketer or the merchant, am spending less to market down, but selling more. Yeah. And again, it creates a cycle where it drives them to pump back to store, to pump and back to store, mm -hmm. which is true loyalty. And it gives them a reason mm -hmm. to say, I shop at Yes Way. They understand me and they deliver me more value, yeah. which is what the goal is. I love it. And what I think it does as well for the manufacturing brands, Derek, if I'm hearing you correctly, is it's a reassuring, I suppose, closed user group where they can do things that are perhaps richer than they want to do in a public environment, you know, yeah. and we all know how expensive it is to put billboards up and the stuff that these brands need to do as well. But exactly. you can do incredibly cost effective marketing for them. 
Exactly. And I mean, that's that's the potential of loyalty. You know, going yeah. back to your first question around my favorite program, yeah. I think that American Express figured that piece out. Yeah. So they're able to position things that have a really high perceived value sure. and give them to their best clientele and their best customers. And within our space, that is what we need to do more of. Mm. So if you had a magic wand now, Derek, and I'm going to put you on the spot because <laughs> I know we always all have these very long wish lists um, and it's always incredibly busy and there's always multiple priorities. But if there was something that you could do with Yesway Rewards, you know, given where we are now, like what's your immediate focus? The immediate focus is, you know, probably what we've been doing the past three years. And it's a mobile first strategy and it's understanding that cards become obsolete, yeah. that loyalty schemes are actually the brand yeah. so that when people think about their their occasions for the products that we sell, I want to be top of mind or front of mind. Mm. And so that way, I, I don't want to just be a homogenous or commoditized shop that sells the brands that they love. I want to be the brand that they love that is irresistible where they go to get other brands. Ooh, and so from nice. that aspect, that's where I would wave my magic wand. So that yes way becomes yeah. part of their everyday life. And yeah. it's, it's, it is so intrinsic that when they need milk, when they need Oreos, when they need <laughs> beer, know, anything, it's <laughs> beer, it's yes way is where I go yeah. and they're able to interact with it. Um, through their app, the phone number, or any other way. Yeah. You know, I always say, make it easy to do business with us. And totally. if, yeah. if you make it easy to do business with you, you do mm. more business. I mean, yes. that's the businessman's yeah. credo. Totally. So if I can make it easier to do business with us on their terms, mm. we're going to do significantly more business. Yeah. I loved your word irresistible because, you know, as marketeers, you know, we have to have that level of vision. You know, there's no point just being the next convenience store that people go to, you know, just because it happens to be convenient, you know, in terms of location. So Absolutely. I love that idea where they actually get the brand love. And my other, I suppose, maybe even final question for you, Derek, is what always intrigued me when I worked in convenience retail was it was, in my mind, relatively late to the loyalty industry. Yes. So we know that airlines have had it for 40 years and hotels and all of the other kind of wonderful sectors of retail as well. But I think because of the, um, the speed and the importance of removing friction, of course, convenience was always something where you almost didn't want to be asked for, you know, a form of identification in any way. So it's taken a long time for the industry to catch up, but what's so your view? On, yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you nailed it. Right. And I, I would say I became a loyalty, passionate person because my background was actually grocery and I was with giant Eagle and okay. giant Eagle had a rewards card for the grocery store shoppers. We launched a chain called get go which giant eagle to go or get in, get out, get going G E T G O. Yeah. And to your point, the best of breed that we competed, we were in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So we competed against sheets. We competed against rudders. Wow. We competed against Wawa. None of them had loyalty programs at that time. Wow. And I think you're right. It was speed of service was yeah. our loyalty, right? It was the yeah. fact that you could, I mean, Gecko's tagline was get in, get out, get going. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it was, I mean, that is a <laughs> promise that we're going to be fast. But I think early on, we understood I can capture the grocery customer by enabling their loyalty card to work within my stores. And mm-hmm. I think in many ways, that's how loyalty was born in this channel. Okay. It was from the hypermarkets. Yeah having their cards work. And today they're hypermarkets, much like over the rest of the world. And certainly over in the UK and Europe and the Mideast, you have from Carrefour to Tesco to Sainsbury, they operate grocery as well as convenience. Totally. So they were the pioneers globally. And Mm. I think here in the States, you, you nailed it. That speed was the differentiator until it wasn't. Then when everything (laughs) is fast, then it becomes (laughs) Okay, well, how can I get them to come into rudders instead of going to Gecko or instead yeah. of going to Wawa? What's my challenge there? Mm. And I think now when you fast forward, we are perfectly suited because everything we sell is a commodity, yeah. even fuel. You yeah. know, 10 years ago, people would argue with you and tell you Exxon fuel is different or better than Shell mm. or Valero fuel or uh, Alon's fuel is the best, right? So yeah. you had all of these things. Now, and I think people understand it's a commodity. Yeah. That premium gas is premium gas wherever mm. I get it. Yeah. And, you know, yes, brands absolutely on the inside of the store still matter. But I mm. think as convenience got better at food service mm. and started to actually do own brands and private label beyond food service. You know, in the early days, own brands and meant my coffee cup, right? Yeah. My coffee is as good as Starbucks. And so mm. people are going to come to me because they want a yes way cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, I think Wawa was selling a thousand cups of coffee per store per day. Wow. That's more than a Starbucks does. Yeah. So that tells you that they have really good coffee. Yeah. But you layer on the loyalty. Now you can add the new modern definition of making it easier or faster to do business, right? Yeah. You know, I was tempted to say Starbucks was one of my favorite loyalty programs. I don't actually shop there, but my wife Mm. and my kids do. Okay. And I am struck by, they don't use money when they're in there. They don't use a credit (laughs) card in there. Yeah. Everything is app-based and, you know, it's ingenious because what Starbucks has figured out is, they are now in some ways a bank where they're yeah. carrying a balance yeah. and they have reduced their swipe fees. That still mm. is the bane of every retailer's existence because oh, yes. you're using a gift card at a much lower top off value yeah. and you're storing value there. And now it's, it's irresistible. When I need coffee, I'm going to make a Starbucks run and I'm using it. Yeah, I think that is where we are now. And to your point, we yeah. were late getting in the game, mm. but with most things, once the convenience industry sets its sights on something, we become extremely agile and we get there. I mean, think about it mm. like this. 7-Eleven, three years ago, didn't even have a loyalty program. Sure. Five years ago, Wawa didn't even have a loyalty program. Mm. Um, you know, five years ago, yes, we didn't have stores. <laughs> now, <laughs> all of these companies have world-class loyalty programs and yeah. are doing things that are innovative from order ahead to yeah. mobiles, to curbside to drive-throughs wawa's building drive-through only stores yeah 7-eleven is doing things without fuel and has an app-based loyalty mm-hmm. first scheme to yeah. that is driving their sales and i'm also i mean now i almost can't think of a of a convenience chain that does not have a loyalty program 10 years ago yeah. it was hard to name ones that did yeah. 
Yeah. And I had missed that very important distinction, Derek, about the um, the saving on fees that uh, Starbucks have managed to, um, first yes. of all, get positive cash flow, in fact, so to get people paying in advance, which is extraordinary in hospitality, but saving on the merchant fees as well with credit cards. That's absolutely genius. I think the last quote that I saw about Starbucks is 60% of their transactions are now mobile yeah. with their gift card. And so yeah. That is tremendous. I mean, yeah. imagine as an industry, if over half of our consumers yeah. were using something that instead of it being a percentage-based fee yeah. that's volatile and variable, and like right now, where fuel yeah. is at an all-time high, yeah. is costing the consumer and us more than it ever has, sure. something that could be as low as six cents per yeah. transaction or less Super. than 10 cents, nine cents per transaction, which is what gift cards tend to be when you ride on those payment rails. Sure. That's a game changer. It would, it would instantly mm-hmm. increase your profitability yeah. exponentially. Wonderful. Wow. So my final question is one that um, I know you won't be able to answer from a yes way perspective because it's more of an industry question. But I guess it is just to to get a sense of like, what does success look like, let's say, in terms of the customer penetration in convenience retail that would be, let's say, members of a loyalty program versus not like where would you say the industry's at just as a just to give me a sense of it? Yeah, I would say on an industry average and knowing that everyone, quote unquote, everyone, this is a chain now has a loyalty program. Mm. The penetration is still in its infancy. It's about 20 percent. Wow. OK. And I think it's some of the things that you touched on. It's a transient customer base. Yeah. You have commuters. Right. You have someone driving through the town. Yeah. Hey, I don't want to join your program. I don't need all of that. I'm just stopping to get gas and some snacks. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'll ever be back here. Right. Yeah. So that's there's that factor. Um, whereas when I look at grocery, so that that would be my benchmark. Sure. Um, I know some of the top grocers, their penetration is as high as 70 to 80 percent. Wow. So if that's the aspiration, mm-hmm. I would say it would be worthy and laudable if you could get to 40 to 50 percent, mm-hmm. you're world class in the convenience realm. If wow. you could get to 40 to 50 percent of your transactions are with loyalty, that allows you to really understand your customer base mm-hmm. and then to start leveraging your manufacturers and doing things in a much more savvy and sophisticated way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful target to aim for. And I think quite inspiring as well, actually, because uh, reminds me of a famous phrase in Ireland, certainly a politician was using where they used to say, we've done a lot, but we've a lot more to do. So <laughs> more to do. I love that. <laughs> well, that's all I had to ask you today, Derek. Was there anything else you wanted to mention before we wrap up? No, I just want to thank you once again. It was a great dialogue and um, glad I could play a role. Okay, it was an absolute pleasure. Derek Gaskins, Chief Marketing Officer, Jessway. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 245 executives in 27 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.